0: Welcome to That's Not My Job. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 2 of the podcast where I, Jared Dubin, and my co-host Jordan White talk to interesting people about interesting things that they are interested in that are not their day jobs. In this episode, we talk to 670 The Score and freelance writer Julie DeCaro about online harassment. And Jordan, this was not necessarily a fun podcast to do, although you should obviously still listen to it, but it was definitely an enlightening
1: one. Yeah, enlightening and uh, necessary, especially with everything going on right now with the Me Too movement. Um, Just hearing what Julian women go through online on a day-to-day basis, uh, the harassment that that they face and just how awful it is. Um, You know, it's harrowing, but it's, um, again, it's necessary if we're, we need to know about these things um, if we're going to be able to combat it.
0: Yeah, and, uh, the timing of when we did the podcast was interesting as well. I think it was, you know, around the time or maybe a couple weeks before the, uh, the allegations, you know, about all of the, the wave of sexual harassment in, in Hollywood came out and hearing about, you know, what people have, have written about since then, you know, the, the so-called whisper network that, you know, women, have to tell each other about, you know, people to stay away from, or, or ways that they can deal with these kinds of things. You know, that's, that's something that happens for, for online harassment and not just, you know, in-person harassment as well. And uh, hearing about the evolution of how she reacts to this kind of thing, I thought was interesting too. And then obviously we, you know, shat on Twitter for a while, which, uh, you know, is, is basically its own cottage industry at this point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, you basically said all this was, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know if I have anything else to add to that. I guess let's just uh, get into the episode.
0: Yeah, let's do that. It's uh, season one, episode two of That's Not My Job. We're talking to Julie DeCaro about online harassment. Jordan, we've got Julie DeCaro on the line. Julie, how are you?
2: Hey, guys, I'm great. How are you guys?
1: I'm doing excellent. Doing how, how are you? Are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Why just All right. Uh, I just feel like that's, like, my standard go-to when people say, how am I doing? i <laughs> are like, alright, like, good, like, I, wait, hold on, why is alright bad?
2: Wait, you don't have too much enthusiasm, because then it's like you're bragging.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm doing so much better than you. Like, no, i just, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. alright, it's like my Midwest mentality right there. Oh, right, a good now thing I is. feel bad for saying I'm,
2: <laughs> I feel bad for saying I'm great <laughs> now, so I'm fine too. <laughs>
1: I was going to say, I feel like I shouldn't have
0: said that I'm excellent. Like, Jordan, Jordan just called us both out. This is, and like we're about to move into heavy subject matter here, too. Me and Julia are both like, we're doing great. Like, oh, let's, let's try to make ourselves feel not great now. Let's talk about online harassment. Uh, what a transition. Super, yeah. Super... Uh, What's the the word that I'm looking for? Like enlightening? No, not enlightening. That's no. the thing like where you make yourself feel good. Um, uplifting, uplifting. uplifting. Super uplifting content coming for everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> Julie, I went back and read and watched a lot of stuff that you have, you know, written and talked about on this subject. And one of the things that stuck out was you did a, a video short for HBO and you said that a Jameis Winston piece that you wrote back in 2013 triggered the first wave of, you know, online abuse that or actually before I get into the question about that, do you think abuse or harassment is a more accurate term? And is there like a difference between the two of those?
2: Uh, gosh, that's a good question. I don't know. I sort of use them Interchangeably, but I guess if, if like, you know, putting my lawyer hat on, if, if I was going to think about it, I would say that, you know, abuse can even be a one time thing, but harassment is more of an ongoing Mm -hmm. pattern. Um, but I haven't really put that much thought into it. So, no, I mean, I use them interchangeably.
0: That's an interesting distinction to make, though. And I think it, it does make sense, you know, putting the fellow lawyer hat on. (laughs) Uh, To, to get back to the, that Jameis piece, though, which I went back and read, it, you know, and it was largely about comparing the victim's experience to your own and how the way that the state's attorney handled the case shed light on why so many accusers don't come forward. And, you know, the, the two lawyers on the podcast could have a field day and who do a whole other podcast on chicken shit, shit, state's attorneys, not prosecuting cases that have large media followings because they don't want to be the guy that blew the Jameis Winston case and not be able to be a U.S. Yeah. attorney or a judge someday but, you know, that, that piece you said triggered the first real wave of, you know, abuse or harassment that you faced. Um, how did you respond to that at the time? And have you changed the way that you respond to attacks like that now?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Well, first of all, let me say it. that HBO short was supposed to be a full on real sports episode. They came here and they like rearranged my house, took all the furniture out. They were here for like three days and then they wind up being like, oh, we're going to go in another direction. So that was that, was, that whole thing was obnoxious. I took like three days off work and they took all the furniture in my living room out and put it like on the front on the front lawn and put their own stuff in. And it was crazy. Um, TV sucks, man. Like, don't do TV. Um, You know, when the James Winston thing happened, you know, I had been sort of initiated into online harassment because I was a blogger. And, you know, there were always fights between the blogs and um, you know, so a lot of the stuff about my blog would be like, you know, making fun of me for being a woman or whatever, but the, having it come from anonymous strangers who I didn't know, um, what hit me completely, just caught me completely by surprise. I didn't even know that could happen to you on Twitter. Cause I think like back to those days in Twitter and it was like the salad days. We were all like, la, la, la. we were all doing like teacap, you know, on Sunday nights and just having a great time. Um, and, and I didn't really know that anything like that could happen to you. And so. Um, I still feel almost like I still suffer from the trauma of it because it was just so shocking when it happened. Um, I don't even remember what I did. I think I probably just curled up into a ball for a while. And and then also um, I think I probably tried to hit back at a lot of people, which at the time probably just made it worse because I have a better understanding of a lot of things now than I did back then. Um, you know, now I sort of am always prepared for it. You don't know when it's going to happen. So Like one day I said something, um, on Twitter about The Rock and him like slut shaming one of the female wrestlers on Raw and a whole bunch of the guys at Barstool didn't like it. And next thing I knew, I had to like shut down my account for a week because all these stoolies were coming after me. So it's like, you don't even know when it's coming. And so I think you're kind of always perpetually in this fight or flight sort of mode when you're online, which, and I think it leads a lot of people to self-censor, right? So. There's things that you maybe want to speak up about, but you don't because you're like, I just can't handle the harassment today. And I know that that a ton of people go through that and writers go through that. I've had female writers say, like, you know, when something happened in baseball, they really want to speak out about, but decided ultimately not to because they just couldn't handle the harassment. So I think, it, you know, for people who are just sort of that's part of the Internet, you know, just get used to it. I, it silences people. And, and that's really the problem. With it.
1: Did it? When you first experienced that harassment and abuse, did any other uh, women writers or um, I mean, anyone else who had experienced that sort of harassment reach out to you? And I mean, just not talk you through it, but like share their experience, because I'm, I'm wondering what that kind of support system is like, but like behind the scenes.
2: Well, I think it's much different now. So back then, no, because I think everybody nobody talked about it. You know, everybody sort of felt like this is something that happens to them. And it's almost like getting bullied at school where you just feel like you're embarrassed. You feel like it's your fault and you don't want to tell anybody and you don't want anyone to know. That's exactly how I felt. Um, it wasn't until 2015 when I wrote this piece for sports illustrated about women being, you know, women sports writers being harassed that I feel like women started really reaching out to each other and and talking about it a lot. And now we have support groups sort of behind the scenes to help women get through this stuff. And we have like secret Facebook groups and, and stuff like that. But, Back then, it was sort of everyone would just look at you and be like, wow, that sucks. <laughs> that was sort of it. That was your support system.
0: That's not a great support system. Like, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm, I'm, it's, obviously, it's horrible that this continues to happen, but it's good that at least the people that it happens to have somewhere they can go that can talk about it. Like, That seems like a thing that would be huge for people just you know not yeah. having to experience this kind of thing alone
2: yeah and i think that you know one of the things that i always tell women when you're in the middle of something like that it feels like that's going to be your life forever mm. but the good news is that harassers like really super suck and so they get distracted easily and they move on to something else. but man when you're in the middle of a storm of people coming at you like that it just feels like it will never end and it's awful
0: yeah i mean what, look one of the things that you did to, I don't know about necessarily deal with it, but to, to bring the problem to light was that, that more than mean video that you did with uh, Sarah Spain from ESPN. I think was that last year.
2: Yeah, it was only a year ago. It was 2016, which wow. sounds, it seems crazy. like it was
0: so much longer ago. Like, cause yeah. that became obviously like one of the most well-known videos and, you know, of how abuse online affects women and women in sports and, I think, you know, a lot of people's first introduction to just how bad some of it can be, like, obviously, you know that it happens, but the the degree to which it happens and the vile nature of it, I think that opened a lot of people's eyes. Like, I remember watching it at the time and how hard it was for me to get through just as someone watching the video of people who didn't even actually say those things Read them to your face. And I watched it again this morning and it was, you know, just as difficult to get through a year later. I mean, the, the, the yeah, don't keep that watching people, it. That's... yeah. Well, I wanted to go back. It's probably meant
2: to be viewed one time right. and then yeah. on.
0: Well, I wanted to remember the feeling of, of what it was so we could talk about it here. Like the things that people say are just so gross and like talking about wishing that you Bill Cosby's next victim or a hockey player beats you with his stick. Like, for, well, first of all, how did, the idea for that video come about? Like, obviously you had already seen those tweets too, but how different was it to have them read to your face like that?
2: So it came about because after, so in like the fall of 2015, I wrote this, this sports illustrated piece and talked to a bunch of women in the industry. And that sort of got a, quite a bit of attention. Um, so then the guys who work at just not sports said, you know, just emailed me out of the blue and were like, Hey, we have this idea for this video. And I was sort of at the point where I was so, like, done with everything. I was just like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So they were like, hey, why don't you meet us in a warehouse at Ukrainian Village and with a bunch of, like, 10 guys you don't know and we'll make this video. And I was like, okay, let's go. So um, I, I go there and I've never met these guys before. And it was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. I really think that there is a lot to be said for just saying yes sometimes, even if you don't know what you're getting into. So we went, we did the video, and um, obviously I had pulled some of the worst tweets and given them to the guys so that they could use them in this. But we couldn't use the very worst ones because we then YouTube would take it down for just being too, like, upsetting. So we had to sort of find the, like, intermediate tweets, not the advanced harassment tweets. So the stuff that people see in that video is not even close to, like, the worst stuff that we got. Um, we had to tame it down a lot. Um So, you know, we, we did the video and then I reached out to like five or six other women in sports in Chicago and nobody wanted to do it. Um, everybody was like, Oh, my, my editor won't like it or, you know, just like, I I think that'll just bring more harassment on me and stuff. So nobody would do it. And finally, um, I was like, you know, let's just ask Sarah Spain if she'll do it. And Sarah and I had worked together, um, at the Tribune and stuff. So we knew each other. And so she came and did it. And the day that it launched, we thought, you know, maybe a few people would, see it maybe people in the industry would see it the day that it launched um i was homesick and i took a nap i woke up and i had like 700 twitter notifications so that's when i knew something had happened i didn't know if it was good or bad yet um having those tweets read i mean it's, it's definitely weird to hear things like that out loud said to your face um it's different than than seeing it written on paper or on your screen because it's, it's just hearing someone say the words while they look at you is weird um it, but the thing that was so funny about it was that I think really the reason the video had such an impact was that people were upset at how upset the guys became. So people would say to us, you know, I can't believe you did that to those guys. That was so terrible. Like, are they OK? And Wait, it's. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. No, a lot of people would say like the first thing they would ask us was about the guys and if they were OK and if they were acting. And if we, you know, we said they're not acting and they were like, well, that's really terrible that you did at them. And so Sarah and I became aware very quickly that part of the reason this had such an impact was because people didn't like seeing men being upset. And I think that if it had just been women being upset, it would have been easy to ignore. And, and, and that's why I think that the idea was so genius.
0: That's crazy to me that the thing that upset most people, like I didn't even yeah. think about like what's happening to these guys. Like clearly it affected them. They said it in the video. But, like, oh, my God,
1: like, how does your mind go there as a person? <laughs> Dude, what, what was your reaction when you when, when you heard that, when people were saying, like, why would you do this to, the, to these men?
2: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised by it. Because let me tell you guys about a little something called the patriarchy. <laughs> but, no, I mean, it was... what's that it it was really it was shocking but also sarah was just kind of like "Uh uh-huh you know sarah's got this really like dry sense of humor and so she was like not shocked by it at all i spent a lot of time trying to convince people that like they were fine you know that they left they were laughing and everything was okay and then afterwards i was kind of like screw this like if that's your main concern then just don't talk to me about it so um when we went to the gracie awards out in la sarah spoke really eloquently about the fact that you know that people were so upset watching men be upset was not lost on us. And that that was a huge part of the problem with the way people are treated online. So, um, it, I don't even know what to say to people anymore. I just sort of don't engage on that topic. Cause it's just stupid.
1: I, did you ever encounter any, do I'm sure you have like disbelief from people insofar as, were they having a hard time believing that this is the type of stuff that like actual people say to you?
2: Oh, well, it's more like um Julie and Sarah are constant victims. I don't believe they got any of this stuff. They've made their career off becoming victims. And so they photoshopped all this stuff and made it up. And now everyone feels Holy sorry shit. for them. So there was a lot of. Yeah, there were a ton of allegations that like we had photoshopped, especially since we had screenshots of it. And the reason we had screenshots is because, you know, you report someone to Twitter and they take it down or the person who did it deletes it after they think twice about it. So we just got in the habit, like I think many, many women have of just grabbing screenshots. And because they were screenshots and not like embedded tweets, people were saying that, you know, that, that these were just photoshopped and made up. Um, you know, but it's, there's, there's that group, that it, this idea that, you know, women in the industry get ahead by making themselves victims and that's why they get their jobs and that's why they get ahead. It, it, it's really insidious. And. Sarah and I get accused of, like, Photoshopping and making stuff up all the time. So, like, earlier this month, I cut a thing for Good Morning America on Cam Newton. I wound up getting bumped by a hurricane, of course, but it happened after I told everybody I was going to be on Good Morning America. So... Then it becomes, you know, Julie lied about being on Good Morning America. And now, like, that's like a meme with, like, a whole group of guys. So, it's, there's nothing you can say to make them believe you. These are the same guys that call everything fake news and get their stuff from InfoWars and, you know, so it's just, you guys are, You guys aren't InfoWars people, are you, right? Okay, no. Did I just insult you? <laughs> <No>. okay, <good. laughs> but, I mean, if, I'm if you live in the
0: that Rome, you had to ask if we were.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: you never know. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't tell you generally about InfoWars. I just don't want to do it on your podcast.
0: Feel <laughs> free to do it, like, literally anywhere else. <laughs> what was it? You, No, keep going.
2: I was just going to say, so, like, you know, when you have guys like that who just, like, live in this world where everything is fake except for what they want to believe, there's really nothing you can do about it.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a pervasive problem in more areas than just this. Um, yeah. Um, I'm curious what the reaction of people in your life outside of Twitter and media sphere that that all obviously saw this video. Like, did any of you know your your friends or coworkers see this and say something to you about it?
2: Um, well, my parents found out about it when they saw it on CBS Evening News, so mm. that was something. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like a lot of my friends saw it and, you know, that's why I had so many like notifications. I had like 57 DMs that day or something on Twitter from people just going, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Um, and in the in the media world, um, a lot of people wanted to talk about it. I mean, we were on Outside the Lines. We were on um, Canada's version of 60 Minutes. We the day after it came out, we were literally like running from one interview to another and doing Facetimes with people in the cabs. Um, because of there was, there was such a high demand to talk to us. Um, I don't know about Sarah. I know the reaction at ESPN was, um, that she immediately got a call from like John Skipper and they started talking about what they could do to combat this immediately. CBS, not so much. Um, it was just sort of looked at as something that I did on the side that didn't really have much to do with CBS. And so, um, you know, not a lot was done or said about it. Um, as opposed to ESPN who sort of took it and made it their own thing and really used it like you know as, as something to talk about and to, as a jumping off point for a conversation
0: so you know julie you've written extensively and i feel like i keep saying this a lot you've written extensively um about the time that um that you were raped in college um you you we mentioned it with the the video and you know a lot of the abuse that you particularly receive seems to be focused on bringing that up for you again and again and again. Like, I, I hope you get raped again. I hope you're Bill Cosby's next victim. Like I've seen you tweet. And I think right about this one guy that just ac- accuses you of fabricating it. Um, you know, obviously that's a traumatic experience for anyone to go through that obviously affects your life in some way. Like you've written that it didn't affect you quite as drastically as it does some other women, which is, I suppose, you know, quote unquote good in a way, as good as that can be, but (laughs) to have it brought up so often and almost exclusively by people you don't even know, what is that like for you as a survivor? And like, are you able to read things about it and deal with attacks like that? online without somehow experiencing it all over again?
2: Yeah, I am. You know, I, um, I did talk about the fact that, um, you know, I wasn't like jumped in a parking garage. I wasn't grabbed off the street. Um, it wasn't especially violent. It was a typical date rape scenario on spring break where I wanted to stop at one point and the guy didn't. And so I couldn't do anything about it. Um, so, and and I waited a long time before I talked about it. Um, so By the time I talked about it, I really felt okay with it, although putting it all out there is is kind of a weird scenario, because then you feel like when people look at you for the rest of your life, it's not so much that you're having a problem dealing with it. It's just that you don't want to be known as Julie DeCaro, rape survivor the rest of your life, you know, or rape victim. Like, I hate both those words because I think it makes it feel like it was a bigger deal in my life than it was or like it colors all aspects of my life when it really doesn't. Um those guys can like bite me, especially like Lou Bettino, who's the guy I wrote about, who just keeps bringing it up over and over again. Um, yeah. It doesn't faze me to see it anymore, although it makes me angry that that is what guys go to to try to upset women. Because if they do it to me, I'm sure they're doing it to other women for whom a rape is probably much more recent and who are much more traumatized. So it's just such a shitty thing to do to another human being. Um, And so it makes me angry, but it's not the kind of thing where I see it and I get traumatized all over again. M- most of the time. I mean, certainly there are bad days once in a while, but it's not the kind of thing where a guy reminds me that I've been raped and I crumple into a heap. So um mostly I just think they're horrible human beings and I put them on blast to try to, like, destroy their lives when they do that to people. Because I just don't think there's any excuse for that. So
0: is, is most of the harassment or abuse that you... Get on whether on that or on something else. Is it usually people that, you know, or just see something you you wrote or you said and come in on that one day and one time? Or is most of it people that repeatedly come after you?
2: It depends. Um, there's different groups of trolls. And one of the things I, I think we do that is really a mistake is to sort of lump all trolls together as being trolls. And there's trolls and there are cyberstalkers. And I think of trolls as being the people who just want attention, who might hit you once or twice or maybe even once a month because you're their favorite target. But cyberstalkers are different. And, and I have a group of those who have been around since the Patrick Kane reporting that I did. And they've been um, pretty consistent in making parody accounts of me constantly, always having to do with me being fat or me looking like a pig or, or whatever. Um, and, and they are there all day and all night. Um, and it's they sound and super
0: original. Like that's, that's yeah, I've never heard are. that stuff before.
2: And like super well adjusted too. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, those guys never go away. Um, I think that typically trolls might see something I've said or, they just don't like me in general. So they come in to just say, Hey, I don't like you. And it's like, okay, well, thank you for letting me know. Um, but the, the cyber stalkers are a whole different issue and one that I think Twitter has really not done a good job of, of dealing with. Um, so I, I, I don't know which I get more from because the cyber stalkers are more prodigious. <laughs> They've put out a larger body of work. <laughs> um but but i mean like you know this week i tweeted out some barstool screenshots that i'd had that i thought were really obnoxious and so i've had that group coming after me so it's really hard to say at any given time who they are that are coming after me so because they change accounts a lot so
1: yeah so you talked about putting a lot of these guys on blast or or kind of like fighting back which i don't it's it's not new but it's it's also something that like it's probably something that they're not expecting you to do. So I, I'm wondering if you've ever faced, and maybe backlash isn't the right word, but have you ever faced any? Like, we'll use backlash from fighting back, whether it's from those trolls or from like unexpected places.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, when you I was I get accused of, of being a troll myself all the time when I put people on blast. They're like, and then you sick all your followers on them and. I'm sort of like, well, I was just sitting here minding mind at my own business when you jumped into my mansion. So, um yeah, I mean, and especially the well-meaning group that'll jump in to say, hey, don't feed the trolls, which is like one of the worst things we say. Um, I, in For one of the pieces I did called Why You Can't Just Ignore the Trolls. It was also at Sports Illustrated. I talked to Jessica Sierra, who was like one of the original Gamergate victims to the point where she left everything all together, like moved to Iceland and has like raises ponies now. I mean, she was like really traumatized by it. And she's like, it is the most harmful thing we say is don't feed the trolls, because what you're telling people is just sit there and take it day after day after day. And it is so bad for your mental health. Um And especially if you're a woman who was raised sort of, you know, post baby boom generation where you're. Told to stick up for yourself. You know, I mean, you're taught to stick up for yourself and to, to not be able to do it online because it's digital. I don't know what the reason is. Um, you know, people always say just ignore them, but it's not good to ignore people. It's not good to have people tell you all the time how much you suck and just sit there and let it wash over you day after day. So I put guys on blessed because I want people to know that they're still out there. And also I want their friends and family to see. This is how they talk to people online. Cause I'm always so shocked. Like this Lubatino guy, who I've made it like a mission in life that when you Google Lubatino, like my piece on him comes up, um, talking about like what an asshole he is online. People, he is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see all these pictures of him with like mothers and sisters and girlfriends. And I'm just like, do people not see what he does online? I mean, he uses his real name. Why are you in a relationship with someone who treats women this way online? And so it is, I've gotten past the point of just sort of taking it, I guess. Um, and I think that a lot of times I'll just be like, someone will say something and I'll be like, okay, you're stupid. Um, and I'll just, you know, mute them or whatever. But then there's people who say things that just are so far outside the bounds of decency or who catch me at a really bad time when I'm just not in the mood. And then I put people on blast. And, you know, that does more, I think, to shut people up than does just taking it. Because a lot of times you ignore trolls thinking they'll go away but there are different kinds of trolls and there are trolls out there who want your attention and who will keep ramping up their behavior until they get it so ignoring trolls doesn't always make them go away
0: it's negative reinforcement too rather than
1: they just do it and nothing happens and that yeah. you know might tell them that it's okay do you yeah, think that uh, being told to ignore or being told to not or to not feed the trolls is that a thing more directed at women than it is at men
2: i don't know i mean i would think so just based on the way that women get told to shut up most of the time but i don't know i mean there's tons of guys out there who get it too and i'm sure are told not to feed the trolls the thing is that you know women get it differently than men so women when we're harassed it's very sexualized it's very violent a lot of times it involves rape um the worst thing i ever had and feel free to edit this out if it's too like disgusting for your audience because god knows it's it's Really hard. Um, someone sent me a picture of a bound woman being held by several men while they drained her slit throat into a bucket of blood. What does this um Jesus. and and I, I don't even know if it was real, but it was so upsetting. So, you know, men don't get that kind of stuff. Even, you know, they get a lot of like, you're stupid, you suck at your job. And so men say, you know, like, oh, I get trolled too. But it's not the same. Women get a much more genderized, violent kind of trolling than men get. And so, um, I don't know. I I guess I'd have to ask a guy, you know, if they get told to ignore the trolls all the time, but I know that women definitely get told in many, many ways to be quiet, especially online all the time. So it wouldn't surprise me if women get it more.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, we were going to move into Twitter, but since you brought up, you know, the difference between, you know, what, what women and men get, like, so I want to ask about like the, the psychology of the people that do this. Like I would imagine that given the volume of you know harassment that you get i would imagine you've thought about it at least some and like i would think more than i have and i've i've thought about it like a good deal in preparation for this like to the extent that i get attacked online now that I've blocked the few people that used to do things like call me a kike faggot, like it's almost exclusively about my work and not about me or anything relating to my life in any way whatsoever. Like it's like, Hey, fuck you, Dubin. The blazers are awesome. And Dame is much better than Mike Conley. It's like in the grand scheme of things is basically just a conversation that I might have with one of my Evans. friends that really likes Damian Lillard. that's like
2: my dream to have people yell at me about sports
0: and it's like it's not really like an online attack like it's it's not like what what you and other women and people of color a lot of times as well deal with is obviously much different and i would imagine it comes from a much different place you know inside of whoever is doing it like have you thought at all about what motivates these people that do this and, and what do you think it is
2: Oh boy. Um, I, you know, I think that there's a huge part of it and and guys will say this to me all the time. Like, you know, I go to sports to get away from women. So, (laughs) and the last thing I want to hear is a woman talking about sports. So it's like, okay, that's healthy. Uh But so I think that there is, there's part of it that is, this is the last bastion where I can like be a guy and like, you know, say what I want to say and not have to worry about being politically correct. And now women are here and they're ruining it. So I think there's that. I think there's tons of guys out there who hate women and don't necessarily think of it that way. But, you know, that is how they make themselves feel good is by going online and making some women feel bad. Um, uh, I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a really interesting question. And I guess my biggest fear about guys like this is that they aren't the trolls like lurking in their parents' basement, that these are guys who walk amongst us you know who look normal who are fun and, you know with their female coworkers and and stuff and then you know go home and this is what they do to unwind that's like my biggest fear um so i don't know i mean i guess a psychologist could maybe talk about it and i know lindy west did that piece for this american life that everyone always talks about where she talked to her troll and he said you know i felt really bad about myself and you feel so good about yourself and i wanted to knock you down i, I don't i don't know i mean if that's what goes into it i'm sure it does for some people um, but I think, sadly, I think the explanation for a lot of it is just misogyny and racism. And I know however bad white women get it, women of color get it a million times worse. So I, I just think, sadly, it's, it's a lot of the, you know, men out there who and women, too. I mean, there are women who join in to sort of get the approval of men and join in with this stuff, which is really disheartening. But I, I think sound
0: like for for the stuff. That, I mean, is it I would imagine it's mostly men. I mean, is it? Yeah, I think it's like, first? you know.
2: 90, 10, you know, mm-hmm. men, women. Um, but there always are these young girls who jump in and are like, you know, trying to endear themselves to the guys by being the cool girl who can make fun of other women and stuff like that, uh, which is something that I think a lot of us do, like in our 20s and teens, to try to align ourselves with the guys, you know, and that's who has the power. And if you, there's this feeling that if you align yourself with the guys, then nobody can hurt you. And of course, that is never the case. But um, I don't know why they do it. I think there's just, you know, a a big amount of people who don't like the way the world is changing and would like it to go back to the way it was, um, where women and people of color are largely kept out of a lot of industries. And, And I think that's mostly probably what's behind it.
1: Is it? I mean, I know you said it's disheartening, but does it just also like piss you off when you when there are girls who are saying this exact same stuff that guys are saying?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to young women, at least I understand it, because like I said, a lot of us in our you know teens and 20s did that kind of thing because you're so, uh, I guess, conditioned to seek male approval. And that's one way of getting it is sort of aligning yourself with guys while they're making fun of other women. Um, I do sort of want to, you know, fast forward to like these women in their 40s and sort of be like, look what your 19 year old self is doing. Um, but at least that I understand, although it is it's maddening to see to see it happening but you can't explain it to a young girl she has to learn it for herself what really does aggravate me though is when there are certain guys in media who are known for trolling and who sort of make a career out of it and i know oh, these women that, that complain be? about hmm
0: who might that be i don't yeah. know anybody knows. But, those guys you know
2: there's a lot of women who complain about these guys incessantly behind the scenes but will never say anything about them publicly And either because of their career or because they, you know, don't want to deal with the, you know, harassing harassment. And that, to me, is really frustrating because there's women putting themselves out there trying to bring light to what these guys are doing. And then there's women who join in behind the scenes talking about it, but then don't want to say anything publicly and don't want to risk anything. And that, I think, is aggravating. That aggravates me.
1: Have you seen have you seen that change a little bit recently? I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, we've seen Sam Ponder speak up when uh, ESPN made the deal with Barstool and then, and I'm sorry if I butcher her name, uh, Elika Sadeghi, uh from Fox Sports uh, tweeted out the contract that Barstool wanted her to sign that said basically you have to be okay yeah. with harassment and abuse in the workplace. And that's something that I don't know if I've really seen a lot in the past years. It seems to be kind of like a new wave of Uh, women showing straight up, like, hey, this, like, I'm not making this up. This is a thing that happens, and here's my proof.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I was really grateful to Sam Ponder for saying something. Um, Those of us that did start out trying to say things a couple years ago got basically harassed Mm -hmm. into silence. Um, And so then they've created the situation where everyone is afraid to say something. I mean, I know women who won't even use their name online because... You know, they know that there's guys out there that just do searches for it just to come get you. Um, I completely lost my train of thought.
0: <laughs> it happens. Let's 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 pivot then because I I think that we need to talk at this point about Twitter. This is where most of this stuff, almost all of this stuff, is happening at this point. Like, I feel like I definitely know the answer to this question already, but. Has Twitter made online harassment infinitely worse?
2: Yeah, definitely. By far. Yeah. Uh, You know, Um, just the refusal to deal with it and the constant stream of people begging them to do something about it while they're like, hey, we're going to give you 280 characters. And, you know, the thing that really alarms me about it is that it's become so normalized now. Like, I have so many guys now, like, well-meaning guys. Hey, hey, you know, this is just what it is. If you're going to be on Twitter, you got to deal with it. And that should not be the way we look at this stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. seriously, you know, someone saying something hurtful to someone online is the same as walking up to them and saying it in their face on the street. And we'll tolerate one, but not the other. And um, Twitter has really gone a long way by just letting this stuff fester to making this a way that people have discourse with each other now, which I think is really upsetting.
0: And we'll get into all the different ways that Twitter is very, very bad at this and what they could do better. But I'm, I'm curious before that, like at, at this point where, you know, in late October, 2017, like at this point, what's the longest period that you go between being, you know, harassed or abused in some way on Twitter, just as a person who gets it a lot.
2: every, Every day. I mean, because there's accounts out there that are supposed parody accounts that basically, um, I have them blocked, but they still access my tweets and they just make fun of every single thing I say. So it's daily. Um, and, you know, that's stuff I've had to sort of get Zen about and just kind of let it go. But if I really were to, like, so, you know, Twitter allows you to like, you know, only see there's the quality filter. Um, if I click on that show more tweets and I see the tweets from the people I'm not following, those are always bad. Like no matter what I say, I could be like, it's a beautiful night out tonight. And someone would be like, yeah, you fat whore. Uh. So it's just, you know, I just try not to do that.
1: Is it is it hard being on a place because like Twitter used to be an actual fun place. And is it mm-hmm. is it hard to still try and find the fun or have that? sense of community that I actually used to have while knowing that like the entire time that you're on there and every time that you check it, you're going to have these just awful, horrendous, mean things directed your way.
2: Yeah. You know, my account is locked right now. And, um, I think this is the first time I've really gotten to the point where I'm like, do I really need to be on Mm -hmm. Twitter? Um, I really put that off for a long time and pushed back against it because I really did love Twitter. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the t days, but it was like Sunday nights when To Catch a Predator was on MSNBC. Everybody would be on there, like just like making fun of like the, you know, pervy guys who are trying to lure teenagers in. And, and it was like it was such a fun community thing that Twitter did like every single Sunday night. Um, I still love Cubs Twitter. Like I that is one of the great joys of my life is being on Twitter during a Cubs game and having, you know, all because it becomes like a, the world's biggest sports bar. Um, and it's all Cub fans, you know, from the people I'm following. So that is always great and fun. And Cubs Twitter is wonderful. Um, but you know, it's sort of like, is the rest of it worth it? And, and I know a lot of people now, pretty high profile people who are like, I go on, I share my links, and then I get back out and I don't engage with anyone. And I think that's sort of where everyone is kind of headed. Um, because it's just, it is not a fun place to be anymore. Um, And the the problem is there's really no alternative for it, right? I mean, we all left Facebook to go to Twitter because Twitter was way more fun. I mean, I guess Instagram, and I know kids are like the youngins, are all into Snapchat, but it just doesn't have the same kind of sense of community like Twitter does. And I'm sort of anxiously waiting for someone to come up with the next community like that who will be much more stringent about who they allow on that site.
0: Yeah, somebody should just steal their API and be like, yeah, we're not going to let people harass you. (laughs) Yeah, Twitter, but not for trolls. Yeah, um, I'm going to go back to my, my favorite phrasing here, and <laughs> you've written extensively about...
2: <laughs> it makes me sound like an about, awesome writer, though. Yeah,
0: about the way this uh, this abuse happens and all of the ineffective ways that Twitter deals with it. And that's now become... like Criticizing Twitter for how it handles harassment is basically its own industry at this point. Um, <laughs> I think anybody listening to this has probably seen hundreds of thousands of tweets and like 974 pieces about it at this point so i have a few questions here like why do you think they're so bad at dealing with it like how much would it help if they had something like a set of advisors that experience this stuff on a daily basis to help them figure out what to do better and like what specifically should they be doing better
2: it's funny because I always see Jack saying like, hey, we talked to a bunch of women, but I don't know any of the women they've talked to. And I do. I'm pretty much in that community of women who have been harassed and who are speaking out a lot about it. And they've never talked to anybody that like I know. Um, the mm-hmm. only time they get involved is when it happens to a celebrity. And most of us aren't celebrities. So we just have to deal with it. Whoa.
0: That's, uh, I mean, look, we're celebrities here well, I don't true. Know what you're talking about
2: true, true. I apologize for that. Um, (laughs) you know I, i think yeah i mean having a board of women who have been harassed or even people you know who've been harassed not just women um but i don't think they have any interest in doing that because i think that their business model is have as many users as possible and if that means trolls that have 15 different accounts then that's fine it's kind of funny because they've already lost out on business and on you know because of their trolling problem and the nazi problem which is i mean like who in 2017 thought we would have a nazi problem But we do, and they basically get together on Twitter. So their just inability to care about this stuff or even get any real understanding of it, I mean, there was a Twitter coder who one day was getting all upset when they changed the stars to hearts for the likes. He was getting all upset about people yelling at him, and he was like, who knew people on Twitter could be so mean? And I was like, "Um, everybody? Everybody knew that, but you guys.
0: I remember that.
2: They just have like no concept, I don't think, of what... It's like, or why people are leaving.
1: I, I've, uh, no, I, I want to catch this by saying, like, I fully realize that, like, harassment in the quote unquote, like, real world is absolutely a thing and is just as bad of a problem, um, if not incredibly worse than it is on, on Twitter. But do you ever, like, log off, t- like, Twitter and then, like, is it almost, I don't know, a breath of fresh air because you're like, oh, right, like, at least I'm not getting berated to my, face like every second of the day i know they're like i like guess more like <laughs> i guess the twitter versus the real world interaction is, is something i'm interested in because i know sometimes twitter can be a bit of a bubble
2: um i i log off more and more and just don't because i think that it you know it sort of changes your brain right every time you aren't doing something you have a smartphone in your hand and you look down and you yeah. start doing something like we've lost the ability to just sit there and do nothing so, um, but I find myself doing that less and less. Like I try to always have a good book on hand so that if I am, want to hold my smartphone and do something, I'm like on Kindle reading a book. Um, but it used to be that Twitter was my complete go-to for everything. And I don't do that anymore. I don't, um, there are more and more. I like, I locked my account down. There was a time when I would be like, I can't lock my account. Then how will I get new followers? Uh-huh. And now I'm just kind of like, eh, <laughs> who cares? cares <laughs> Yeah, it's more important to my mental health to not be, you know, constantly harassed. So, um, more and more, I find myself doing that. And I know that that women, especially women writers and sports writers, are doing that much more. I know women taking enormous breaks from Twitter, months long breaks, handing their accounts over to other people to let them, you know, handle their account because they just can't deal with it. So, I think that that is sort of silently what is happening to a lot of people. But when you have when you let people make as many new accounts as you want, it doesn't really matter because there's always I don't know that Twitter can see it because there's always like trolls making like 50 new accounts. So I don't know that they see all the people they are losing who are people who have had important voices on a lot Mm -hmm. of different issues. And and that's a huge problem. So when the Nazis and the trolls become louder than everyone else, it's like, why would you stick around?
0: Yeah, I mean, you so you also wrote a few years ago that online abuse targeted at women is worse in sports Twitter than it is anywhere else. Do you still think that's true or has like politics Twitter or sexual assault allegation Twitter overtaken it at this point?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I, I've had a ton of women reach out to me and say, Oh, like you should try being a woman in the STEM industry or you should try being a woman um, in the music industry. Um, so I think that, that anytime it's a male dominated industry that you're going to get it from that, you know, you're going to get it more from that group. I do feel like sports is such an enormous part of Twitter that I think maybe that's part of why women sports writers are targeted so much, but, but, you know, women gamers are targeted and women in the music industry are targeted and, and it, it just has sort of happens across the board and definitely, I mean, politics, my God, it's just a, such a cesspool right now. So, um, I do feel like women in sports are among those who get it the worst, but I don't know if I would still say we get it worse than anyone else.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, it's, I mean, so actually that's interesting. Um, I know you have for, you know, the, the women who get this a lot, There are private Facebook groups. Have you talked to, or, you know, do you know men that get abused consistently in the way you do and what, about what their experience is like and how it's similar or different to yours?
2: I think um, you know I think guys who are really outspoken about there's always these hot button issues that you get worse trolling for, right So there's like domestic violence, sexual assault, um, politics, race, I guess abortion or sexual re- you know reproductive freedoms. Um, and I think guys like Bomani Jones get it really badly. I mean there's a ton of like dog whistles and flat out racist you know horrible people calling them all kinds of names and stuff. Um, I don't know a lot of, I guess, white guys who get it the same way that women do. Um, but definitely, when you add race to the factor, I, I to the to the equation, I think you get a lot of bad stuff in there. Um, I'm sure there are guys out there that, that just have a horrible time with it. I just don't know if you always see it. I don't know if guys are as outspoken about it as women are. I mean, I don't count guys like Skip Bayless because you're sort of courting it. You're you're sort of peddling controversy in the hopes that you'll you'll get a reaction from people. So I don't, I don't count those guys, um, guys who are being earnest in what they say and who are, you know, just kind of doing the right thing. I, I, I would imagine Dave Zyron gets it pretty badly. Um, but you know, I don't know
1: what, if any, and this is not to make, again, not to make light, but are there any coping mechanisms that you, you've developed where, I mean, you know, in addition to shouting back at these people, is there anything else where you, where you, you've developed a coping mechanism that you've developed, to uh, at least drown it out for a little bit, I guess.
2: Yeah. Here's a funny one that I know tons of women do is like a lot of us like to watch SVU and watch Olivia Benson, like just like punch men in the face all day. Like there is an episode the other day where she walks out after like a really bad day. And this guy's like, where's your smile for me, sweetheart. And she just like punches him in the face. And we're all like, that's awesome. So, I mean, I think there's that. Um, I've also got like a group of women who, Um, we have basically our DMS open all day and we talk the entire day and sort of pick each other up off the floor. I think, you know, one of the unfortunate things about the sports industry is that there's so few women that we always feel like we're in competition with each other. There's never going to be, you know, three women hosting a show. There's always going to be maybe one and she's a moderator. So we always feel like we're in competition with each other. and, And I really try to explain, especially to young women that you need other women in this industry way more than you think you do. And get your group now. And so I think that, you know, having someone to go to who understands is is a huge thing. And that's like a a big coping thing for me, too. That's
0: where I was going to go next. I'm glad you brought that up, because, I, I you know, I think it's pretty much a universally held belief, except in certain circles at this point, like having more women involved in sports would be a helpful thing de facto for many, many reasons. Do you think that there's anything to the idea that having more women involved specifically would help? deal with this problem
2: you mean on twitter or just in general
0: Uh, on twitter or in in sports in general like
2: yeah would having
0: more women involved in sports somehow help the women that are getting harassed by people in sports twitter like yeah because
2: women are still sort of like an anomaly right especially if you're someone like doris burke or beth moens who is doing play by play and is really broken sort of the ultimate glass ceiling um uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that so much of this is because there are so few women in sports that you really are kind of a sitting duck out there by yourself. Um, so, yeah, I think that when a generation grows up that sees women in sports as being just normal, then I think that there maybe will be an end to a lot of this. I know my kid's generation doesn't think anything of it, of seeing women on TV because they've grown up seeing women doing sports. Um, but there's a whole generation out there that hasn't. And that's where a lot of the abuse comes from. And the thing that concerns me is that this next generation coming up of young boys who are like in their late teens and early twenties right now are learning that harassment is normal online. And and that's where a lot of my concern comes from that even if seeing women in sports is a normal thing that so is going after them and harassing them. So I worry about that a lot.
0: How much does the, you know, you mentioned that, you know, cause we're talking about it online, obviously, it's different than it is in person. I mean, how much does the fact that so many of the, the people that do this are, you know, young men, like you mentioned, and they are the first generation to grow up with, you know, the internet and social media as just a fact of life and not something that developed, um, you know, during their lifetime. And they had to get used to at some point as a wholly different thing than they're used to in communicating. How much does that affect the way that they talk about this stuff?
2: That's a good question. Um, You know, one of the things I think that we really need to do is that parents need to be all up in their kids like social media stuff. So I always tell this story about, you know, my son got his first phone when he was 12 and he was like the last one to get his phone. So, like, what's up with that? Um, But he was 12. And uh, the first thing he did was start an Instagram account and then joined in with a bunch of his friends on body shaming Demi Lovato and basically saying all the things they didn't like about her body. And I was so appalled. Like, I took his phone away and I was like, you know, you cannot be online until you're responsible. And, you know, I'm going to monitor you to make sure that you are. And we had a lot of talks about that. But I think that there's a whole generation growing up where their parents are just, oh, Facebook, pff, I don't get that, you know. I, and and so no one has ever really taught them how to use this responsibly. Um, I don't know. I mean, the whole thing, when I start thinking about it, it just seems so hopeless that, like, this is what, you know, and I, and I guess there's always the hope that, we saw Drew McGarry's Deadspin piece come out and that there's guys who later in life will, you know, get to the point where they're like, oh, I was a real, you know, dick back then. And I'm not now. But the the problem with that is that you've trained an entire generation now. i um, like, this is how you act online. And the women are left dealing with it, even if you've moved on to bigger and better things. So um, I don't know. It's, it's actually really depressing when I think about it.
0: <laughs> that is super depressing. I mean, does... Does having a, a generation now of parents coming up who are online literate, like, could that help in some way? Because you mentioned that the, there's a part, at least, of the current generation of parents that's just like, oh, that's Facebook. That's for the kids. I don't really know what's going on.
2: Yeah. Like, could having
0: people that know exactly what it is and how to use it and what goes on.
2: Well, I think it. I think it can help if you're willing to do it. I mean, I think there's too many parents out there who are like, oh, I don't want to I want him to have some privacy. And I was like, screw that. You're 12. You don't have privacy. Like, I'm paying for the phone and I'm going to look at everything you're doing and I'm going to make sure that you learn how to be a decent human being online. I mean, you can't expect just hand over, you know, a phone that's more powerful than, you know, the rocket that sent the the computer that powered the rocket that sent us to you know the moon or whatever. And just expect that they're going to know how to use it like they are 12. Their brains aren't working (sighs) even properly yet. I have two teenage boys. They're like clinically insane. I mean, there's like something wrong with them at this age. They're just not normal. So you have to be willing to not be a friend and to be a parent. Um, Mm. And especially with young girls, I see way too many moms who are like, you know, oh, she's my best friend. And I'm like, your daughter is your best friend. She's 14. Like, that's nuts. So like you have to not want to be the cool mom and you have to want to be have your kids be aggravated and like roll their eyes and be like, you know, Oh my God, my mom reads everything I write. So I can't say anything bad, but like that's, I mean, I don't have any problem with that. That's my role as a parent, but there's this idea out there that, you know, you you have to be the cool mom and you got to be the, you know, the one that all the kids like, and you can hang out with them because you're not a regular mom. And, you know, and I don't know that those parents necessarily get involved in this kind of thing to the extent that I think they should.
0: Yeah. I think that, that that's a good place uh, for us to wrap this up. And, you know, I would love to say that it's been enjoyable, but given the subject matter, I think instead it's probably better to go with, like, eye-opening and informative.
2: (laughs) Well, let me say this, guys. Like, I didn't know that, like, The Simpsons was something I can pick. So, you know, next time I'll do something, like, you know, lighthearted and fun, (laughs) and I'll fight Jonah for The Simpsons, by the way.
1: yeah. I think that's a good plan. Yeah. We'll just
2: host host, host, host
1: the Julia versus Jonah, like, Simpsons fight.
2: That would be great. The
1: Simpsons showdown.
2: Yeah. Let's
0: just make like the whole podcast all about the Simpsons. I feel like that could work
2: too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Julie, thank okay. you so much for doing this. Uh, before we let you go, do you have anything? I know you know you have your radio show. Do you have anything that you're writing coming out or anything else that you want to promote and let people know where they can find Ugh. you?
2: Um, uh, no, because I just finished a book proposal. So I haven't been writing, um, short pieces yet so i'll let you guys know how that works out but um i guess this Buy is the book when it comes yeah, out if it ever is, comes out, i don't out. care
0: what it's about yeah
2: um i guess i would the irony of this whole thing is i guess i would say to people the best way to find out is follow me on twitter but, but don't be a jerk oh God. <laughs> follow
0: julie on twitter and please do not do any other kinds of things that these horrible people do ah. uh, i'm Jared dubin he's jordan white thanks for listening to the show